0: Hey there. Welcome back to the history of wellness podcast. I'm your host, Krista Scherf. If you're new here, welcome. But if you're coming back, thank you so much for sticking with me. Just a couple of reminders or heads up. I'm not a doctor. I'm just here to learn. The intention behind this podcast is something to the effect of a book report. I'm not here to explain a culture I'm not part of, so there is a lot I'm not going to cover because it's not really my place, but I want to give an overview of it to show more of what the modern Western wellness industry is sort of picking and choosing ideas from and help others who might be curious like me to get more of an understanding of the history behind it. So let's dive in. Today, we're going to start off strong with a bigger topic and get a little into Ayurveda or Ayurvedic medicine. The word Ayurveda can be directly translated as the knowledge or science for longevity or life. It's also a broad term for traditional Indian medicine, encompassing everything from diet and disease treatment to philosophy and mythology focusing on the complete wellness of the mind, the body, and the spirit. While Ayurvedic medicine is said to have been around for thousands of years prior in oral traditions, the earliest writing found of it stems from around 1000 BC in the Atharva Veda, the fourth book in a series of some of the oldest texts within the Hindu religion. However, Ayurveda in practice was more well established in India around the time of Buddha, 450 BC, due in large part, like many things, to politics. The health of the leader, or the king, was the health of the country, so it was essential to have physicians in place to protect the government, particularly the, the king. The first documented exposure of Europeans to Ayurvedic medicine was in 326 BC, when Alexander the Great invaded northern India. It's said that he was so impressed with the medicinal practices that not only did he insist that it be the only medical methods used on his troops, particularly for poisoning, but he actually brought back physicians trained in it to Greece in an attempt to expand Greek medicine. Nonetheless, the more publicized start of the globalization of Ayurvedic medicine probably started with the spice trade between Indian and European medical practitioners, Of course, knowledge of Ayurvedic medicine had already spread outside of India through oral tradition and texts, but it had never occurred on such a large scale before. So as a form of medicine, Ayurveda is holistic. It's both preventative and prescriptive, so both active and reactive, with a large and very specific structure, though there are a few key elements to it. As part of the natural world, Ayurveda considers the world to be made up of five elements that, in different combinations, help to make up the human body. First, you have Vayu, which is air. Then there's Jala, water, Akash, which is space or ether, Prithvi, earth, and Teja, which is fire. And when it comes to your body, it's said that the human body is made up of three doshas, three substances, Vayu or Vata, Pitta, and Kapha, aka your nervous system, your metabolism, and your immune system. It's believed that the Vayu actually helps to regulate the Pitta and Kapha within your body. So your nervous system helps to keep your metabolism and your immune system in balance. And then within Ayurveda as a medicine to keep your body healthy, there are eight branches. Pediatrics, toxicology, internal medicine, psychiatry, aphrodisiacs, otolaryngology, which is your ear, throat, and nose, rejuvenation, and surgery. One thing that stands out the most about all of the records that have remained from around 450 BC and onward is the consistency among the records in terms of the practice of the medicine itself. Practices and beliefs have remained relatively consistent standing the test of time. Something else that I found really interesting when looking up papers and books was that in contrast to Western medicine, that considers normal health to be the average of the general population where everyone's body should work about the same, Ayurvedic medicine considers normal health to be that of the individual. So each person's body is different, subjective, rather than objective as a whole. So it's probably going to react differently to different treatments. Therefore, medical practitioners need to focus on what each individual person's body might need. These days, Ayurvedic medicine is still widely practiced in India. The national government supports the teaching and research toward it, and universities and medical centers practice it, and its popularity has increased with globalization. After India gained independence in 1947, the Indian Medicine Central Council Act was passed in 1970, which helped to recognize and regulate Ayurvedic medicine and support its use and the teaching of it in hospitals and colleges. And interestingly, while English is said to be fine for coming to scientific conclusions via analysis, Sanskrit is still the best language in which to learn Ayurvedic medicine, because it's how it's written. And while it's not necessarily a first choice in terms of medicine for quite as many anymore, with biomedicine at the forefront, many people still find Ayurvedic medicine and its corresponding traditions to be extremely useful. So how is Ayurvedic medicine used? Nothing is more prevalent than plants in Ayurvedic medicine, though animals do have their time in the spotlight. It remains a core belief that almost every naturally occurring substance in the world can be used as a medicine. Here are a few examples. Ginger in Ayurvedic medicine is considered to be a wonder drug a universal medicine that's said to help with pain relief, indigestion, nausea, sore throats, and a wide range of other symptoms. But it can also agitate things like ulcers, fever, or inflamed skin. It all just depends on how you use it. Another plant you're probably familiar with if you cook a lot, and that is extensively used in Ayurvedic medicine, is garlic. Garlic is said to be antiparasitic, a disinfectant, and a stimulant. It's also explained as being useful for those with everything from colds to high cholesterol or hypertension. But unlike in more western diets, garlic is considered to be more of a medicinal item than a food item. There's also cardamom, which is great for blasting through excess mucus, soothing headaches, and is amazing for digestion. So what are some ways that the wellness industry has incorporated this medicine into mainstream wellness and what are some ways that you can incorporate it into your everyday life if you are so inclined? It would seem that the wellness industry, at least within the US, has picked and chosen the herbs or plants recommended to suit the American mainstream in terms of availability and familiarity. With how long Ayurvedic medicine has been around and plants that may not be readily available to most Westerners, it's not uncommon to come across a wide variety of plants used for healing without a direct English translation. You can find more information about those plants in the Ayurveda encyclopedia mentioned in our sources. However, there are quite a few herbs and other plants that can be found in your regular grocery store that are used in Ayurvedic medicine. First, if you're into trendier herbs, check out ashwagandha. This herb has been long said to fight stress and calm nerves and made its way to the forefront of the modern wellness industry a few years back. I've seen it at everything from more natural grocery stores to my local TJ Maxx in the food section. Alternatively, and maybe a little bit easier to find or DIY, try a turmeric latte. In Ayurvedic medicine, turmeric is thought to help with respiratory conditions, digestion, colds, and helping with arthritis relief. Again, I'm not a doctor, but do your research. As another option, find some raspberry leaf tea. Many brands carry it, but the most common ones I've seen are yogi tea and traditional medicinals at my local Target. Raspberry leaves are considered as being anti-inflammatory and can help to relieve cramping at that time of the month. If you're interested in finding out more about Ayurvedic medicine and its history, check out our sources page for this episode. There is so much more to it. With thousands of years of medicine, there's always more to learn. I'll post the link in the description. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform. Follow us on Instagram at History of Wellness or check out my website at kristasherff.com. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. You can find the first episode and any subsequent episodes after this on your podcast app under the History of Wellness podcast. Keep an eye out for upcoming episodes. We have a lot planned. Have a great day, you guys, and stay well.